Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What a performance for the Ohio State Buckeyes in the first game out of the bye week. This was a game many years in the making after the Buckeyes hadn't played Iowa since 2017. What did they do? They hung more points on the Iowa Hawkeyes than any team has under Kirk Ferentz ever, 54-10, to in a game that frankly was more defensive than that final score would indicate. Instant analysis from the shoe coming up next. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to Ohio Stadium. Just wrapped up with uh, Coach Day, defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, and a handful of Ohio State players after a complete thumping of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Final score today from Columbus is 54 to 10. Alongside Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. You can find this show wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts, but uh, we appreciate the live audience as well. And if there are some questions along the way, we will try to get to those. You can support us by subscribing to the YouTube channel. And uh, for all the latest, check out BuckeyesNow.com. I, I got to be honest, I didn't see Ohio State scoring 54 points today. Now, in our predictions, I guess neither one of us were all that far off, right? We both said it was going to be low to mid-40s. I said 52. Did you? Okay, I thought you said it was in the in the 40s. All right, my mistake. You're right. Uh, look, I, I, I thought fi- uh, a 45-6 to six game was more likely. Ohio State did what I expected in not allowing a touchdown when their defense was on the field. Um, this was a really, really good defensive performance from Ohio State. They forced six takeaways and completely shut down the Iowa offense. So let's just start there because all of the criticism last year was centered around Ohio State's inability in a big game where they were playing against a team that they knew would be tough to move the ball against. Mm-hmm. It was their inability to stop somebody that that everybody was frustrated with. And today was as memorable a defensive performance as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and I, th- I think Jim Knowles' unit really kind of took, took to heart the fact that Iowa came in so highly rated in so many different categories and said, you know what? We're just as good, if not better, than that defense, and, and they really proved it out there today. And obviously, with with Tanner McAllister having the two interceptions, you know, the first time since Jeff Kuda in 2019, you know, uh, it just kind of speaks to you know his involvement, bringing him over from Oklahoma State, showing you know everybody the way as to how to do things in, in Knowles's defense, and then just you know to put it out there and have that game today. And that I mean, that really just shows you how much they've kind of taken that step toward being a championship contender on that side of the ball. Ohio State had three interceptions and three fumbles recovered today. Uh, McAllister had two of them. Tommy Eichenberg had a pick six. You know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out, I guess, the right way to say it. All three interceptions were very catchable balls for the defense. <laughs> uh, I mean, the first play of the game could not have been thrown anymore right at Tanner McAllister. The second pick for McAllister, I guess, kind of deflected, but it was right into his arms. Uh, and Eichenberg's interception wasn't 
really contested all that hard deep in the other end of the field. It certainly helped Ohio State overcome giving up a touchdown early in the game when probably for the first time all year, CJ got rocked. I mean, he got really, really hit hard uh, and fumbled the ball. He was he was pulling it down to try to tuck it and turn his body, but the defender's helmet hit him right on the wrist and the ball jarred free and Iowa picked it up and scored. And believe it or not, they actually took a seven to three lead at that point. Um, this game had a weird feeling to it. Ohio State had three offensive possessions in the first two minutes of the first quarter. But as things went along, it just didn't matter what Ohio State was giving Iowa as a look defensively. The Hawkeyes literally couldn't move the ball. Yeah, I mean, we kind of expected that just with, with how bad their offense has been all year. But I think it's more important that, you know, Ohio State really took advantage of those opportunities when it came. You know, it's one thing to to have the ball thrown right at you. But, you know, there there's times, though, that, you know, a ball hits somebody in the hands and they drop it and it's third down and they get to have another, they have another chance to live. But for them to actually bring those in and, you know, the ball gets on the ground, they beat them to it, you know, on fumbles and those kind of things. Like those, like I said, are all, all championship defense kind of things and, you know, showing that they're they're very opportunistic, which is a, a great thing. And I even said that today in, or well, yesterday in my predictions, you know, I just thought that this was really the game that they were kind of going to take to that next level and say, you know, we've had a couple turnovers here or there, but then today there was just a whole, you know, kind of avalanche of them. So even beyond the takeaways, Ohio State uh, allowed only 158 yards of total offense. Iowa ran 59 plays. The Buckeyes had five sacks, 10 total tackles for loss. Iowa was one for 13 on third downs, and that one conversion came in the middle of the third quarter, and they were one for four on fourth downs. So I mean, just a, a complete effort from Ohio State's defense. They dominated the line of scrimmage. I, I mean, Iowa didn't have very many big plays all day. In fact, their longest run was 18 yards, and their longest reception was 17 yards. So how about that? You didn't even give up a play over 20 yards today. Um, really good work on that side of the ball. JT Tuimolau, I thought, played great. Mm-hmm. Zach yeah, Harrison was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and JT got his first sack today. But, yeah, I mean – even if you look at just the final score, you know, and really you take away that that fumble return for a touchdown. This is a 54-3 game, and even if Iowa picks it up right there but doesn't take it back, like not necessarily sure that they're getting anything more than a field goal out of that. Just the way that the defense played today. Sure, no, it's we we shouldn't start this any other way than talking about uh, just how good Ohio State's defense looked today. They were supposed to, but they still executed the way they needed to. And and as an Iowa fan. My gosh, um, what a waste of an elite defense. I, I, I hope they figure it out a little bit. This Iowa team was in the Big Ten championship game last year. I know they got rocked in Indianapolis, too. Offensively, it was really hard to watch them because there was no creativity. Mm-hmm. They didn't even try to take deep shots down the field. Um, even when they made a quarterback change, it didn't look a whole lot better. I'll, I'll leave Iowa fans to talk about things mm-hmm. on their own pod, but – Uh, I understand your frustrations because after watching it on tape for six weeks and having two weeks to get ready for Ohio State, that was not a very good effort. Yeah, and I mean, if if, honestly, if they had even an average offense, like that's a a Big Ten West champion kind of, I mean, defense, if not more than that. Obviously, I don't think if they had an average offense, this would have been more of a 54, you know, 28 kind of game, you know, so they weren't going to win this. But yeah, I mean, 
that defense is legitimate. And I mean, it, it's very clear that, you know, with the fact that they held Michigan to the lowest points total that they've had all year. And then, you know, for much of this game, it kind of felt like Ohio State was going to be below average in its point total. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great defense, but I mean, it, it definitely sucks for for Iowa fans that their offense just is non-existent. And then, I mean, I was surprised to hear that that was the most that Iowa had ever given up under Kirk Ferentz. And I mean, that's 24 seasons. Like, that that's a lot of football. And you know, for them to be in that situation and you can't put it on the defense. That's the offense's fault for, you know, not being able sure. to extend drives and those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, the score is definitely lopsided, but I think Ohio State was really tested today and, you know, they'll be better for it. OK, other side of the football, um, Iowa's defense is really, really good. We knew that coming in. We saw it today. There were some frustrating moments. The difference in today's game, in my opinion, was Ohio State's ability to make an adjustment at halftime to finish drives and to stop settling for field goals and get in the end zone. They scored four touchdowns in the second half. Iowa couldn't figure it out at all, and they didn't score, period, in the second half. C.J. Stroud, I thought, was pretty good. His numbers were fine, maybe a little bit below average from some of the crazy things we've seen from him. But 20 for 30 for 286, four touchdowns and a pick is certainly not going to you know, to lose you a game. Um, he made a few risky throws. I thought he made a couple of incredible throws. In fact, three plays in a row to Abuka on a seam route where he was about to get creamed mm -hmm. to Marvin Harrison the next play on a pass that just looked like it was going to be intercepted. And then, well, gee, if, if, if it's not going to be picked, nobody's going to catch it, right? Wrong. Marvin catches on the fingertip back half of the ball, makes a ridiculous catch. And then another perfect pass the next play. Uh, to, to throw a touchdown. Obviously, the big long touchdown to Julian Fleming was there. Um, CJ did a good job of weathering the storm when he was under a lot of pressure and largely made good decisions with the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think he gets a lot of a lot of flack from fans just because there's this there's this this um, a, a crazy expectation for him at this point. Like everybody just expects. I mean, if you look at his career, I mean, he's averaging 350 yards through the air, three touchdowns, four touchdowns a game. So you know, if he doesn't get that, everybody's like, well, what's going on? What happened? Then, yeah, I mean, but he still had a good game, and you know, obviously, there's you know plays that he wants back, throws he wants back, and those kind of things. But at the end of the day, like. You know, what's the thing that, that has been bothering them for the last year? It's the fact that they didn't beat Michigan. They didn't beat Oregon. You know, at the end of the day, they won today. You can't sit there and you can't look at his his stats and say, oh, well, he wasn't great. Well, I mean, he was great enough to win the game, and that's sure. the entire point. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of that, and, um, you know, especially with with how Hendon Hooker has been playing at Tennessee. You know, no everybody's going to be comparing that. But, you know, the Heisman isn't going to be won right now. It's going to be won in November. So, you know, as long as he does well, they beat Michigan, he's going to be right there in that conversation. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So Ohio State only had 360 yards of total offense today. The fewest number of offensive yards that the Buckeyes have had in the Ryan Day era came against Alabama in the national championship game a couple years ago, 341. Uh, for what it's worth, especially because the Buckeyes were on under 160 at halftime, I looked it up. The last time they were under 300 yards of total offense in a game was the Cotton Bowl against USC a few years back. They had 277 yards of offense in that game. Largely, it's been ridiculous you know, fairy tale video game type numbers for Ohio State's offense. And and a 54-point final score usually doesn't, you know, correlate with only 360 yards of offense. A lot of that had to do with the field position. Obviously, Tommy Eichenberg had a pick six, so a defensive touchdown helped. Um, particularly impressive because of the number of field goals that they kicked. Yeah. So, look, offensively, I thought they got a really good test today. And – in a game that you win by 44 points, it's hard to say that's a really good defense and not feel like you're full of it. But yeah. Iowa's defense really played well. Right, and then I think it's just kind of one of those things that the offense just, you know, there's so many weapons and just, you know, they it, it kind of, Ryan Day was asked about it today. It's like you just kind of find the right combination or the right key or those kind of things. And, you know, you just keep keep searching and keep searching. And that's just the, the amount of talent that they have on this offense and just, you know, the the schematics and those kind of things. They're, they're going to be able to exploit that no matter how, you know, no matter how good the defense is, there's always going to be some way to attack them. And they, they ultimately found that today. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not so concerned necessarily about the, the stats just because, you know, like you said, the field position, if you're only, you know, taking 50-yard drives at a time and then ending, ending with field goals, like, you know, there, there's there's room on the front end. You know, you're not getting that extra 20 from your 20. And then, you know, for on the on the back end, you're kicking a field goal instead of getting those extra 20 yards. And those things kind of add up when it's drive after drive after drive. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like we said, you know, if you said Alabama's the last time that they, you know, got in this general general area of, of offense. But at the end of the day, what did they do today that they didn't do that? Yeah, 54 so, points. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, I think there's a lot of people walking away from this game going, what is going on with Jackson Smith and Jigba? He's supposed to be healthy. He came back. He's hardly played all year. I am a little skeptical. This is purely just my opinion. I'm a little skeptical about the coincidence that Ryan Day seemed to indicate between Jackson going for a pass, coming up maybe just a little tiny bit limp, and never re-entering the game, along with Ryan Day saying, hey, you know, he was on a pitch count and he wasn't going to play more than 20 snaps today. Maybe it's true, but I don't know. I just kind of feel like a guy of his caliber, how much they've said they want to get him involved in the offense, there's a part of me that's just wondering if maybe he's not yeah. healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the pitch count is obviously true because they're saying that they only want to get him in this, this, sure. you know, this many plays and those kind of things, but – that specific play being the end-all, be-all play, I don't necessarily know that that's true. But I think it's more of, you know, and again, this is just me speculating as well. I think it's just more of, okay, you see him come up limp. Let's not let's not take it too far. You know, sure. he's already in that general ballpark area of what we want him at. And 
we're just going to leave it at that and then move forward. And, you know, maybe, maybe they don't need him for the next four weeks or whatever. I mean, to be honest, they're not going to, and, you know, I don't think they're going to struggle with Penn state next week. And, and at the end of the day, if you just want to get him healthy for that Michigan game and get him healthy for the playoffs, well, you're going to have that pitch count and you're going to say, we're not going to go beyond that. And if he's even showing at least even a little sign of there might be an issue, we're going to pull him immediately. And, and look, I, I'm, that's probably what it was, right? But it's it's like when you're watching Ohio State play this year, there are two things that go through your mind regularly. One, can this team stay healthy? Whether it's Jackson or in recent past year, you know, Mayan and Trevion have been battling a little bit. Um, you certainly hope that CJ continues to stay healthy all season. He's been good so far. The the overwhelming feeling that health could be their undoing can't escape you because you watch a product that's so good you think to yourself gosh just please stay healthy the other thing you can't stop thinking about when you watch ohio state at least i can't is michigan because every single time i watch his team take the field i i see ohio state playing an inferior opponent Mm -hmm. i see them playing an iowa team that has an elite defense and and they've completely wasted it I see a Maryland team that can move the ball pretty well. They're Mm -hmm. pretty good on offense. Their defense isn't very good. Penn State looked like a pretty good team at times this year. Mm -hmm. They played Michigan and got completely annihilated. I know the score at halftime wasn't uh, wasn't all that you know wide. It was only a three point game. Michigan killed them in the first half, and then the scoreboard reflected it in the second half. So every time I watch a Buckeyes get on the field. I just keep thinking to myself, and I think a lot of you probably at home are feeling the same way. You know, hey, put these guys in bubble wrap, keep playing well. But that last Saturday in November is the game that we want to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know that that ultimately is what can undo this team is if a key player gets hurt. And I know that you know people have stepped up in, in Jackson's absence, but yeah, you just kind of you're like, okay, well, let's get a big lead. And then let's just run the ball and move on to next week and then really play for that one game season. But I think that the thing that I do most is probably I I look at what Michigan did against the team that Ohio State's playing. And I think, you know, you look back to what they did against Iowa. You know, they only scored 27 points. It was 27 to 10 was the final score. Iowa hung around with them. And Ohio State didn't really let that happen today. I mean, aside from, you know, going down early because of the fumble return for a touchdown. But it wasn't as if you ever thought like, hey, Iowa might win this game. Like that that was never a thought in my mind. And I just think that, you know, I think that Ohio State's probably feeling the same way too. Like they know exactly what Michigan did against this team and they want to beat that. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, and then you kind of look back to that 2017 loss. And I think that that's where that Julian Fleming touchdown came from. Cause it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're respecting the game. We're already up 40, 47, 48, you know, to, to 10, but Hey, let's, let's tack this extra little thing on to be like, you know what? We remember that. We just put 50 up against yeah. a top three. Yeah. And I think that that's really a, you know, an important thing too moving forward. And, you know, you can sit there and say, okay, well, Ohio State hasn't played anybody. Well, Ohio State just played one of the top defenses in the country. It's not like, you know, yeah, you can you can kind of separate those things. You don't have to look at it as Iowa as a team because sure. they were never going to beat Ohio State. Like, that was never a question. But you can look at it and say, okay, Ohio State played the best defense in the Big Ten, maybe aside from their own, and, and look what they did today. Yeah, without question, they are – they are starting to check the boxes, and there are a lot of people nationally that are finally giving this team the credit that they deserve. Um, 
I'm interested to see over the next couple of weeks if Ohio State makes a jump. Not that it matters, but if they make a jump to the number one spot in the, in the AP poll. Obviously, we're not far away from college football playoff rankings becoming a part of this. I want to wrap with one other point that is going to be a complete footnote to this game, but true Ohio State fans will certainly um, be following this. I have no idea how bad the injury is. Alma says it didn't look good. Long snapper Bradley Robinson, who's about you know as long tenured as the stadium here in Columbus, um, was injured on a play uh, when the Buckeyes punted. I think it was in the third quarter. Um, it was a right knee injury. That was pretty obvious when he was laying on his back on the field. The training staff was working on his right knee. He really couldn't put a lot of pressure on his leg when he walked off the field. He was on crutches with his knee wrapped in ice. He had a towel over his head, and a lot of teammates and coaches were coming over to, to kind of dap him up and, and try to support him. Again, I have no idea if that's just like, hey, I sprained my knee, or if it's you know something more serious than that. But I will say, you don't know how much you miss your long snapper <laughs> until your long snapper's not there. Yeah. And Mason Arnold gets credit for sure for doing a good job. And I, I again, I hope it's not a long-term thing. But that can't be an area where this team mm-hmm. malfunctions because that's that's going to be a critical focal point. Yeah, that, that was kind of my first thought. You know, the very first, uh, you know, after his injury and Mason Arnold came in and it didn't seem like, you know, there was no issues. They got the kickoff. It, it was good, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that's obviously a very important thing because, you know, a missed extra point or just, you know, a bobble, a snap that isn't, you know, right to him or something like that could come back and haunt him in a close game. So, yeah, it's a matter of, you know, just that next man up be ready and and do what he's supposed to do fun day ohio state is proving this year that they are able to win games in different kinds of ways and ryan day is not hiding how much he's enjoying that when they have to run it they can run it when they've had to throw it they can throw it when they've needed to play really good defense that side of the ball has stepped up too. this team last year probably was a bit too one-dimensional in the sense that they wanted to just beat you in a track meet and the defense wasn't quite tough enough that is not the case in 2022 and Ohio State looks like an absolute juggernaut as we uh, hit the stretch run here in October so this team will be on the road they're going to play Penn State next weekend it's not the whiteout game in case you didn't know at this point it's a noon kick so the game is early Um, not a night game because it's a Fox game and it's a World Series week so they're going to play the World Series at night Um, in fact Penn State might have it's a whiteout game tonight if I'm not mistaken yeah they play Minnesota in the whiteout and then Ohio State is a stripe out that's kind of their Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whatever some whatever they need to get. Some people are white. Yeah, it's whatever, half white out. whatever you need to, to fire yourself up. Yeah. So the Buckeyes uh, have some big games coming up. Penn State, they've got Northwestern on the road. Um, and then obviously with chances to kind of try to get right in the last couple games before Michigan with Indiana and, and a Maryland offense that should test Ohio State's secondary a little bit. Uh, and then you'll have the finale against the Michigan Wolverines here saturday of thanksgiving week so plenty more to talk about this coming week as ohio state wraps up a really fun day at ohio stadium 54 to 10 the final score the buckeyes score more points against iowa than any kirk ferentz team in 24 years during his era in uh, in iowa city uh, and the defense perhaps played even better than the offense did uh, ohio state goes to 7-0 and on the season for andrew lind i'm brendan gulick thanks for tuning in buckeye breakdown with our instant analysis uh, instant analysis post game show try to spit that out uh, please subscribe to the youtube channel that's the best way to support us and we would appreciate if you do that hit the notification bell you can jump in with uh, thoughts and conversation with us especially during the week we like to have a couple of live streams a week to include your thoughts 
Uh, and if you want to listen after the fact, you can find this wherever you like to find your favorite podcast. Again, for all the latest, BuckeyesNow.com. We'll see you soon after Ohio State wallops Iowa today, 54-10. to 10.